Day, Sunday, September 2nd, Labor Day weekend, Tallahassee, get ready for Juice World. I still see your shadows in my room, can't take back the love. Performing live at the Pavilion, Turn up. the Pavilion, 2415 North Monroe Street, Tallahassee. Hola, hola. Also performing, Kevin Gates. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. Juice World and Kevin Gates performing live September 2nd at the Pavilion. Hey, hey, It's going down, baby. What's up, guys? This is Logan from Here the Spear. I know you guys just heard about the big concert happening September 2nd, the night before FSU takes on Virginia Tech and the big Taggart era begins. Juice World and Kevin Gates are coming to the Pavilion. Doors are opening up at 7 p.m. You can find your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Students get in for $45. You can pick up your tickets actually at the Pavilion box office from 9 to 2 during the weekdays. Make sure you grab them now. It's going to be a wild weekend, and see you guys there. I'm going with Boston College. What? Yep, I'm going with Boston College. At okay, go wow. ahead. Wow, hold up. What? Okay, go what? ahead. Let, let him, go let's ahead, let him talk. Ahead. Let, Let this man preach. What's up, guys? Welcome to Hear the Spear, presented by Noel Game Day. We're back again with another big podcast, a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Stalder, and our lead writer, Dustin Lewis. How you guys doing? Happy Thursday. D-Lou! He's in the building. We're here, baby. Let's do it. Ooh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Um... Florida State's ranked number 19th in the country by the AP poll. Virginia Tech comes in at 20. So it'll be a top 20 showdown in Dope Campbell Stadium, primetime, ABC, ESPN, Kirk Herb Street. Uh, the whole crew will be there from College Game Day calling it. Uh, not the whole set, but the crew calling it will be there. Uh, UF comes in unranked in the AP poll. For the uh, first time since when? Jeez. I, don't, I know that's rough. And Tim Tebow, woo, no T, no Tim equals no ranking. And Miami comes in at eight. So how long is Miami going to last at number eight? With that schedule, they they're going to last the whole season in the top ten. It looks like. I mean, they only got like three losable games, and if they win one or two of those, then they're might might sneak their way into the playoff like last year. But uh, what do you think, Dustin? You think they last there? Because you said that uh, they aren't going to last that long earlier. You know, I really do think they're going to have their hands full with, with LSU, but with the amount of experience on Miami's roster, I can see them pulling that game out in like a really close dogfight type of game. If they, win, yeah, if they win LSU, you think they there's any chance they lose or they win less than 10 games? Because there's not a, like two other, three other losses on that schedule as long as they – don't completely implode it just depends because you know they had that slip up last year when they went to pittsburgh Mm -hmm. so you just have to be wondering how their mindset if is it going to change from how they played in 2017 yeah they they did these lesser talented teams they did lose their last what three games so that's never a good sign going into the next year (laughs) but i think their hardest three games are lsu fsu and virginia tech and other than that they don't play a single ranked team and no. not really any like decent ones either. Just the coastal teams, which are like Georgia Tech, Duke, Pitt, UNC, not very good at all. So you gotta watch out for Toledo though. Anyways, you can catch the uh <laughs> Miami podcast elsewhere, because let's get yeah. into the uh <laughs> the scrimmage notes. Let's uh let's get into what happened last Saturday. Florida State went through one of their scrimmages hmm, for fall camp. I'm not sure. All right, let's redo that because Alexa is actually going to talk. Oh, my oh God. Alexa to shut her <laughs> damn mouth. <laughs> she wasn't sure when the scrimmage happened. I guess. No, I guess not. She's really interested in Florida State football. 
unplug her real quick. A little uh, technical difficulties here. Thanks, Amazon Prime. Ah, all right, let's get back. All right, so uh, Florida State went through its scrimmage last Saturday, um, and a lot of uh, offensive stuff to talk about here. Looks like they shined the most out of everything, kind of made the defense look silly. But uh, y'all give me your thoughts on what y'all think and thought about what happened with the scrimmage this last Saturday. So from everything we heard, th- there's a lot to be excited about with the young receivers. And like that's kind of a cliched thing, especially because we Florida State signed probably their best receiver class since Bobby Bowden. Um, and you, it's easy to say, oh, they're going to be really good. But in the scrimmage, that uh, we got word that Keyshawn Helton shined as well as Treshawn Harrison, they're playing way more consistently than uh, freshmen are used to, especially non-early enrollee uh, true freshmen, as well as Warren Thompson had a really good scrimmage. Another kind of below, uh, like behind-the-scenes, low-profile, uh, on-the-down-low kind of recruit uh, to go along with Keyshawn Helton was that running back Anthony Grant, who kind of got in the fold late as well as far as the recruiting class, uh, he's apparently he's been a real real contributor in fall and like has the potential to be a a playmaker at florida state and not just like a class filler or somebody who just took up a running back spot just for depth apparently he has the the potential to down the road be a playmaker at florida state and i heard the offense was really strong uh, specifically the young receivers which um we've heard a lot about and obviously uh, i think it's the best wide receiver class florida state has signed since Bobby Bowden, um, but Keyshawn, namely Keyshawn Helton uh, and Trayson Harrison, who have been making plays all camp, but additionally Warren Thompson, uh, all performed very well in the scrimmage. Um, also, another low-key type recruit like Keyshawn Helton was Anthony Grant, a three-star running back that joined the fold late. Apparently, had a really good scrimmage, and as a in total fall camp, he's been. Uh, kind of surprising a lot of people, the coaching staff included. So if if they get a lot, if Florida State can get anything out of Keyshawn Helton and Anthony Grant this year, like that's just that's just uh, icing on the cake or cherry on top for this season because you did not ex- certainly did not expect out of all the incoming freshmen those two to contribute. But that's awesome that they are, and um, that's just that's a good that's really good scouting by the staff, if anything. To take those guys. Um, mm-hmm. Another another note that we had was there was some pretty cool uh, formations that that went down on the practice Saturday. Uh, you're, I'm not you're not really supposed to say well, like what specifically happened. We, just because they're preparing for Virginia Tech, and you guys will probably see them on Monday night or next Monday night. But let's just say there's some some creative, unique things that Taggart is going to do with the the uh, skill positions that Jimbo Fisher would never think of doing. Um, just something unique that Taggart brings to the fold at Florida State. And I think that's that's exactly the kind of thing that could really open up this offense because now you can keep the defense guessing. You can go to a different formation instead of uh, – God fucking damn it. Pause my train of thought. Start over. Just start over. Oh, great. My girlfriend's mom just got here. <laughs> That's not part of the podcast. No, I thought she was but yeah, I think I think the new formations are, are a great idea because it'll keep the defense guessing and, and on their heels. You know, when Jimbo was back there, we pretty much ran a traditional offense. We throw in the occasional wide receiver jet sweep. But I think things are really going to change under under Taggart when it comes to trick type plays that get a lot of yardage. Uh, also, we heard Walt Bell mention that there was a separation that not only the coaches saw, but the players were starting to see also. Um, at the same time, the Willie said in his press conference that DeAndre, as far as the playbook is concerned, DeAndre is behind both um, Bailey Hockman and James Blackman. So I don't, it's kind of, you got to really read between the lines here. I don't know what. If Taggart's trying to put like take some um, like heat off of the the idea that Francois will be the starter just to keep it neutral going into Vatek, so they can't truly prepare for only one quarterback. Uh, me and Dustin and Logan and pretty much everybody who follows FSU football 
I think all think it's going to be DeAndre Francois at this point. You guys agree? Yeah, I think it's a, a smoke screen by the coaching staff to kind of put that out there. I mean, Francois didn't practice in the spring. You got to imagine he's maybe a little bit behind on the terminology, but probably not behind enough where, you know, it's important enough to be mentioned at a press conference. I think it's just yeah. something to keep him uh, even keeled and not let him get too big of a head because yeah. I really do believe he's going to be our day one starter or yeah. Florida State's day one starter. I think Crenshaw will be too. I I think though it's a really good battle still. I think Blackman's given a lot of run. I still think Hawkman's behind quite a bit, but I think Blackman's uh, not right on his heels, but he's given him a good competition. And everybody's favorite, everybody's new favorite Florida State player, <laughs> Zaquandre White, also known as Zaquandre Three Thousand, is apparently <laughs> filling in pretty nicely at uh, linebacker, which is not a surprise at all. I think he's five eleven, two ten. He ran a four or five uh, at the opening. So a uh, kid's a freak athlete and he's always been somebody who runs behind his pads and it's not surprising that he can hit on defense as well. Yeah. I've heard that he's getting quickly to uh, his needs and he's getting the playbook down pretty quickly. He's a physical guy, um, talkative trash talker, and that should fit well in this defense. It'll be a lot different than uh, what it was before last year with Charles Kelly, and that defense was insanely quiet. So, I mean, he, he's probably going to fit in well with that. Another thing that I've heard uh, is Jaden Woodby being a very uh, vocal guy this fall camp, and it's kind of rare in that kind of form of a true freshman coming in all the way from California. Uh, but he's been a vocal guy from what I've heard, uh, letting guys know on missed assignments and coming from a true freshman. That's kind of different. I just want to get y'all's thoughts on that too. Uh, I think Woodby's going to start. I said it on the podcast. Uh, the last two podcast or the last podcast we had, I made two bold predictions. I said that Francois would start and Woodby would start, and uh, I think they're both going to come true on Labor Day. Um, I think Woodby. Apparently, he just he just works really hard both on and off the field, and he just takes it like he came to Tallahassee as like a business trip. So yeah, he's gonna have fun and whatever. I'm not saying he's like some stickler for rules, but he came to play and he came to put in more work in the film room and in the playbook than anybody else, especially any of the freshmen. And he it's showing, and everybody respects him for that. So it's not surprising that people are starting to follow his lead. Yeah, and Woodby kind of reminds me of some other five-star defensive backs that came in and made an impact as true freshmen. And guys like LaMarcus Joyner, Jalen Ramsey, Derwin James, I think he's going to come in and have that type of impact his freshman season on this defense. I love the LaMarcus Joyner comparison just as a worker. I mean, James and Ramsey are really hard workers in in their own respective rights, but they're also freak athletes. And Woodby and Lamarcus are more not that they're not super athletic, obviously, but not like generational type athletes like James and uh, Ramsey might be. But I think that Lamarcus Joyner comparison is a really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what were you hearing about the injuries, Dustin? I know you had some thoughts on uh, Kando specifically. Well, yeah, Joshua Kando, he's kind of been in and out, uh, you know, since the spring. He missed the spring game, and then he was seen practicing sometimes during spring practice and other times he was working with the the rehab group and it's kind of continued into fall practice you know he's still been seen with that rehab group and then at other times he's been on the field and when the coaches have been asked about it they've been pretty coy about their answer so we really don't know what's going on with Kando and one thing I'm interested to see is if he's not ready to go for game one or if he's not playing you know 100% of the snaps he normally plays Who's going to contribute at that other defensive end position opposite of Brian Burns? So I would say uh, the two major contributors uh, that would kind of help his absence, which I think they would play anyway, rotationally, regardless, would be Walvi uh, Ime and Janarius Robinson. Uh, those are mm-hmm. two bigger bodies that um, obviously Kando's pretty big bodies, like 6'7, 270, but those are big bodies that can. Maybe not be as explosive um, and as good of pass rushers, but I think can do just as good of a job against the run. And uh, until Kando really... The thing about Kando is he's been held out of all the contact stuff. So even if he does play, it, but he won't he won't be ready for that kind of contact. I doubt they play him that much. So yeah. I, th- I do think that IMA and 
Janarius Robinson are going to get a lot of those snaps uh, against Virginia Tech. I agree. And yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I agree with that too. Yep. Thanks, Lee. Yep. I'm just trying to. I'm just giving my opinions on it. That's all I'm doing here. Yeah, no, yeah, I think. I thought we weren't supposed to agree. I know exactly. I'm waiting for the arguing to happen. Nothing's happened yet. I need someone to snap on somebody. I just need D. Lou to say something stupid. Just wait on. <laughs> oh, that's that's a that's usual. So you'll have it soon. <laughs> there hasn't been really anything to argue about yet. Just kind of going through it. Uh, then uh, Logan, <sighs> tell us about what Come you were hearing on. Uh, your fellow child's boy, Amari Gaynor. <laughs> he's still doing he's doing well with his rehab. Of course, he's a, a guy that's football mentally ready every day. So he wants to get back taking snaps. I know he's fighting hard to want to get in the rotation or, you know, at least get a couple reps during the first couple weeks of the season. But he's still got a foot fracture he's dealing with. Uh, I think Taggart mentioned him, something about Gaynor wanting to – be ready for Virginia Tech, but I still think he waits out a, uh, a game or two after that. I think after Stop Sanford, thinking it through when it when it first came up that Gainer broke his foot, I kind of wrote it off as like maybe he'll return for midseason or just not really play at all, just because foot yeah. foots can be tricky. But I guess it was just a stress fracture, and the rehab's going super well, so good for him. Yeah, and good for the depth for Florida State's linebacking core. Exactly. Another two guys uh, that had a little bit of uh, injury issues is Stanford Samuels the third during they the announced scrim- we'll be back yeah which is yep. awesome he'll be back he hurt his knee but uh, Willie Tiger did and uh, actually Harlan Barnett the defensive coordinator mentioned that he does expect Samuels the third to be available for Virginia Tech and then Dontavious Jackson the linebacker kind of everybody was worried on Twitter about if he'd be available for Virginia Tech and today that was the answer was given that he'll be available uh, he hurt his tailbone during i think a practice it might have been during the scrimmage but uh, he'll be available for virginia tech something huge for the defense because he's a big leader vocal guy and he was vocal through the spring and definitely early fall camp so uh good that the, that those two guys will be available for virginia tech yeah he was just butthurt like logan after his <laughs> well. uh, yeah after i lose to the patriots every year and then, so the next scrimmage will be Saturday. Are there any storylines or uh, particular – what could be the most interesting thing that could come out of that scrimmage in your guys' minds? What are you looking forward to? It's no question. It's got to be the uh, conclusion of the quarterback battle. You have to figure, since a, a starter hasn't been named, even if we think Francois you know, is ahead, this, this final scrimmage is going to determine that. So we're kind of looking to see if – Bailey Hawkman or James Blabbing can uh, step up and take over from Francois. I agree. I think it's that and then the, the shuffling of the secondary, which we're going to talk about in a second, just see where everybody ends up. What is y'all's ideas? Should Florida State fans at all be worried about the defense after the that one scrimmage where what James Blackman said they scored 14 or 17, whatever it was, touchdowns. Should FSU fans be worried at all about the defense? I mean, it depends I think, on I what think, your expectations are. I think Florida. I, I, and personally, I think uh, the scrimmage will be big too for the defense. Um, yeah, I think the defense is gonna be like, imma- like not immature, but just young and inexperienced. So, like, there's gonna be some bad games. Um, not gonna say they're gonna like necessarily lose any of the games, like. Like they did certainly in the Charles Kelly regime a couple times, but um, I, I just it depends on what your expectations are. That's my answer. If you expect this to be a top ten defense, then I do think um, Florida State fans should be worried. But if you expect it to be a top twenty five defense, then I think uh, you don't need to be worried at all. You know, Saturday was the only. Well, I guess it was Sunday when they interviewed them about Saturday scrimmage, but that was really the first time that I've heard anything. Uh, really negative about this defense during spring practice so you know it's not out of question to say that they just had a bad day and it's not like FSU's offense was driving up and down the field on them you know that scrimmage they were working on special situations yeah things like that the offense had their number that day but you know it's not out of the question that it was just a really great performance and that one scrimmage from the offense and I don't think that it necessarily makes us have to question the defense well Another thing that, that has just been talked about recently in practice, uh, so guys like uh, who was it? Murray, Keith Gavin, 
uh, Keyshawn Helton, Isaiah Bolden have been returning punts as well as DJ Matthews. Do you think any of those guys have a realistic shot at taking over the, the punt returner job from DJ Matthews? Or do you think it'll be uh, Matthews again? You know, I'm kind of... What'd you say? Sorry, go ahead. It's got to be DJ Matthews. I mean, he should have been in way earlier last season. I think everybody knew that, but yeah. it's a pretty simple <laughs> answer there. What about what about when he caught it? Um, I don't remember against who now. Mm. Might have been the bull came and ran nine. He caught it like the five yard, like four yard line backpedaling and ran nine yards deep into the end zone. <laughs> Just, uh, just it was a little, little scary, but no, I, I think it'll be Matthews. Also, I just wanted to see if, if you guys had any dark horse candidates. I have one. I think uh, Keyshawn Hilton is going to make a big push to start back there, especially kind of, because. And sorry to interrupt you, but you can continue. Good. But especially because he's not a starting receiver, at least not yet. So you don't have to worry about risking somebody in special teams. Like if DJ Matthews goes down, that that could potentially be pretty bad for the offense but Keyshawn Helton's not expected to contribute that much as a, as a true freshman but what 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 do you think makes Helton the dynamic punt returner well he's a smaller speedy and just shifty guy and you know he made a lot of plays over his high school career up in or over in Pensacola and I think you know he's been I've heard some people compare him returning punts at least to uh Greg Reed and you know, it's been nine years, but I remember what Greg Reed brought to the punt return and also the kickoff return game. He made a lot of plays for Florida yeah. State over his time in Garnet and Gold. And if Helton can give that kind of impact back there, especially maybe as a true freshman, it would be huge because we've been missing that, or Florida State's been missing that for the past couple seasons, a game changer the, returning kickoffs and punts. The only so, way uh, I see that happening is if DJ Matthews is really tired after having to run all those routes during a uh, during a big game or something like that, where Taggart's running a lot of routes. I don't. Th- I mean, I still think. I mean, DJ Matthews is shifty dude. There's. I don't think there's no way that. I mean, uh, Matthews is pretty small, probably definitely yeah. smaller. But I, it, it'd be hard. I mean, I definitely think he'll make a push for it. But it's Matthews. Maybe, maybe says, he'll be like, second in line if know, anything he, happens. Matthews, Matthews is what I think of the baby AB right now. So, you know, I got to oh, mention God. that. Got to mention every podcast. Oh, so. no. Baby, hashtag baby AB. <laughs> baby AB. So for you guys who maybe didn't listen to the last podcast, yeah, I Logan ask compared, <laughs> he, <laughs> yep. he compared DJ Matthews to Antonio Brown and Cam Akers to Le'Veon Bell. Whoa, whoa. So. no, 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 no. It wasn't Cam Akers. It was, oh, it was uh, Kalen LeBourne. Yeah, yeah, it was LeBourne. Yeah, get that right. Please get that right. He compared LeBourne to uh, – I know you can't you can't really Le'Veon argue with Brown. me yet until you see LeBorn through a game, but then we can talk then, about it then. What else? Yeah. You said he said Terry was Randy Moss and Sam <laughs> Daniels. Was okay, now that's you doing your own thing there. <laughs> that's your own thing. I'm not fantasizing all this kind of stuff while I'm at. Okay, that. and then so we've mentioned the quarterback battle and the punt return battle. The only other real uh, position battle to to discuss, I guess, is uh, the star battle which is the hybrid safety linebacker position in Harlan Barnett's defense, which is currently uh, between um, – do we get confirmation on how to say Brooks's first name? Decalon. Decalon Brooks. That's how I read it. Decalon Brooks is uh, oh, yeah. the, the redshirt freshman linebacker and uh, Jaden would be the true freshman linebacker safety. Um, are battling it out for the star spot. I think ultimately both will play, um, and I think both will make plays. So I, I don't know if it's much of a position battle as it, as I think just different formations will call for different skill sets and a different player. What do you guys think? Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. You know, I think I think we're going to see Decalon Brooks line up there when, you know, the star comes out, that formation comes out. But Woodby is still going to play a ton, whether it's rotating in with the linebackers and rotating in with the safeties like he's going to get on the field because he's a playmaker. Logan said, I know Logan, I don't, I don't even have to ask your opinion because you're already telling me before we started recording that Woodby reminds you of a mixture of uh, Ed Lewis or Ed, Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. Yeah, so. I, know I mentioned that a while ago. I kind <laughs> of uh, mentioned that to you the first day he, before you even put on pads. So I was, uh, I'm a really, uh, I guess I fantasize a lot. I'm yeah, sorry you about guys that. Split reps. I'm sorry about uh, that. I really am. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the special teams and what a big what we think of the change it will be this year. You know, last year it was really scary to watch just a 
even a punt happen or a punt return, like people ever since nervous, Alabama, like, right? Ripping their seats, you know. Yeah, it was Anxiety. really worrisome and. I'm interested to see what the change there uh, with Alonzo Hampton's uh, coaching leadership there. What What's going to be the difference with the receiving team? Keith Gavin, Helton, maybe Isaiah Bolden there. Uh, I still think, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Keith Gavin being at the kick return. I think he slows down in his stride, you know, 20 yards in, but. I mean, he's a big guy. He'll blow, he'll run Hard you over. Attack. But I still like having a shifty guy back there. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that, Ryan? I think on punt return, uh, Alonzo Hampton's special teams will be a lot more aggressive because well, anybody's special teams will be a lot more aggressive than FSU's last year as far as punt return goes. Because I think McFadden pointed to more ball, pointed at more balls than he caught, mm-hmm. um, and he clearly didn't want to be back there. Like clearly, so. I think DJ Matthews just being back there for a whole year would be a market improvement. Um, you think Nooney Murray will get a good amount of reps maybe in kick return? I think the only thing about that is the, the receiving core is not that deep to where you could have your best or second best receiver um, taking that like that big of an injury risk. Like when Gavin did it last year and then got hurt, and when Campbell got hurt, and then you're like, uh, what are we going to do with uh, our receiving core now that everybody got hurt from special teams? So I, I'm not, I just don't think I – w- I personally wouldn't put starting receivers at kick return, especially kick return because it's the most dangerous play in football. Mm-hmm. Your, your thoughts, Dustin? Any or just the same? <clears throat> Well, yeah, I think the the addition of the extra on-field coach is really going to pay dividends off for FSU's special teams because, you know, the last couple seasons we've seen the special teams coordinator be split between a coach that's also coaching full-time at another position. Like last year it was Jay Graham who coaches the running backs. So having having a guy that can just specifically focus on that side of the football but yeah, the the addition of the extra on-field coach is really going to pay dividends for uh, FSU's special teams unit, because over the last couple seasons we've seen it be split between a coach that also has to worry about a full-time position. So last year it was uh, Jay Graham, and he also had to worry about coaching the running backs full-time. Mm-hmm. So with Alonzo Hampton just getting to specifically focus on the special teams, I think they're going to take a step forward. I agree with that. Um... I think it's definitely big to have a special teams coach with the addition of the 10th coach. Um, one thing we need to discuss, Dustin, because we kind of, um, I don't know, just last last podcast we, we tried to predict the secondary, and I, at the time I thought we did a pretty good job. But, uh, like, looking back now, there's just certain things we didn't expect to happen that happened. So let's go ahead and reset that just for the listeners so they know who to expect out there on Labor Day. So, yeah, it seems like uh, redshirt senior A.J. Westbrook is uh, taking over one of the starting safety positions that we originally thought Hamza Nasirildin or Cyrus Fagan would be holding on to. We actually thought they'd be holding on to each of the safety positions, right? Yeah, we thought – I think me and you predicted Stanford Samuels and Levante Taylor at corner, uh, Jaden would be at star if we're talking about defensive backs, and then – Safety was would be Fagan and Nazaldine, the two sophomores. But what looks like is going to happen or did happen and will happen for Labor Day is Stanford Samuels actually kicked up to free safety. And A.J. Westbrook has, at least at this point, won the other safety job. So the two safeties on Labor Day that you will see, unless something big changes between here and now, which I uh, today and then, which I don't expect to happen, will be... Uh, Levante Taylor at corner, and then Kyle Myers at corner, filling in for st- for the spots Stanford Samuels vacated, and then Stanford Samuels and AJ Westbrook, which who is a senior now, I believe, uh, at the two safety spots. And we already just discussed stars, so it's just something that I don't think we could expect it. I guess the staff really likes the experience of AJ Westbrook, and I guess he's picked up the plays and the his job and his role a lot faster than the two sophomores that we previously anticipated would start. Yeah, I think it was definitely a surprise because I thought uh, Hampson Nasirildin provided a, a pretty nice impact as a true freshman last year on Florida State's defense. You know, he was a 
a physical player, hard hitter, but it seems like he hasn't performed as well in pass coverage during the, the fall camp mm-hmm. that uh, FSU's coaches would have liked him to, and that's also, allowed Westbrook to get back into contention for that starting spot. I'll say this. That, that safety, safety duo's tackling concerns me. Obviously, I'm not there at practice every day, and obviously I trust Harlan Barnett's decision-making, but just just a casual opinion would be that Stanford Samuel, he tackles well for a corner, but I'm not sure that he'd be an, an, an above-average tackler for a safety, right? Just no no corners really are. I'm not questioning his tackling ability just for a safety. I'm just not sure how well a corner will be able to tackle. Um, and in addition, A.J. Westbrook's weakness has always been tackling. And Harlan Barnett's defense, safeties are very involved in run support, especially because the defensive line plays so... Uh, aggressive and gets upfield that it really kind of allocates the responsibility of stopping the run more so to the to the uh, linebackers and safeties and I'm just a little worried about uh, the just the tackling in the back half of the secondary I don't know if I if it's deserved but that's just something I'll be looking forward to seeing in the Virginia Tech game and throughout the season if if those guys can step up and make tackles. Yeah, and I mean, that's an issue I could see playing out, but at the same time, you know if A.J. Westbrook starts to struggle with his tackling, because I think Stanford Samuels, he's going to be solid back there. I, I agree. I'm just saying that you, I, I'm just saying that it, it's kind of surprising that the one safety is a, is a typical, typically, and it's past a weak tackling safety, and then the other one's a corner, so it's like kind of, just I don't know, usually you have one guy who's kind of a sure tackler at safety. Yeah, I mean, it definitely the move definitely surprised me because I I was thinking, why would you split up that cornerback duo of Stanford yeah. Samuels and Levante Taylor? I mean, I it thought they would be deadly on the outside. I agree. I mean, I thought Stanford Samuels was the best player in the secondary, and Levante Taylor was just named uh, ESPN's preseason All-American first team. So yeah. I agree with you, but I think it probably says a lot about how Kyle Myers has played this fall. Um, I know the coaching staff um, – must have a lot of faith in him after moving Samuels. Also, shout out to Kyle Myers. He's expecting his first child soon, so that's pretty cool for Kyle. Congrats um, to him. Yeah, congrats to I want him. to kind of, if, if y'all are done with that topic, uh, I kind of want to transition to another big thing that's kind of swirling around is about the actual love and the brotherhood that's kind of connecting this team together right now. It kind of started with spring with them dancing around. You could start to see it, them starting to actually care about each other. The egos were kind of being left at the door, and they were connecting with each other. Kind of how teams did whenever Jameis Winston was there. A lot of the big leaders like Telvin Smith, uh, uh, even uh, Timmy Jernigan, LaMarcus Joyner. LaMarcus Joyner was more of an action, speak louder than words, but... Uh, It looks like they're kind of getting that vibe back of being able to support one another. doesn't matter who's getting first change reps or whatever. Uh, And it seems like the vocal leaders are showing out. And I I just want to get y'all's guys' thoughts on how big, how much it means to get this team back connected. Because last year you could see the difference on the sideline, guys. Some guys, after a loss, were laughing and just running back to the locker room, and some were pissed. I believe it was Auden Tate who threw his helmet down after the Louisville loss, and then you got other guys smiling. I'm not going to say who, but guys smiling and laughing after losing to Louisville. So getting that brotherhood love back at at Florida State, uh, just give me y'all's thoughts on what you think about how much that plays uh, plays an impact to Florida State this upcoming season. I think what you said is that last season, if you look at that roster, it was either the fourth or fifth most talented roster in college football last season, and it went seven and six. So I think that's basically all you need to hear when you ask how big of an impact this guy's not banding together cause. Like you said, good. the best teams always have brotherhoods. I mean, the best teams will always tell you that they were closer than any other team they've been on. So if this team can get to a point where they're really close, it can only mean good things for the outcome of games this year. And yeah, when you have a group of hungry, energetic, and just determined guys that are all close together, I think this, the sky is the limit. We'll have to see how they, they actually perform once they get punched in the mouth and once they take maybe a loss on this schedule. 
um, because I just don't know. I get that they're really close and stuff because a new coaching staff and they have a bunch of excitement around the program, but this is a team that really got soft last year when they, they lost the game and they weren't able to bounce back and win the next one. So it'll be interesting to see if this same cast of characters can figure it out this year. And I think they will, but it, it just I just need to see it first before I'm ready to call them a really close team because once starting jobs get won and certain players are sitting and and then certain players are sitting and then maybe you lose a game and that they didn't get to play and just how, how close does that um, brotherhood stay, you know? Yeah, James Blackman made a pretty uh, mature a quote. quote. Yeah, yeah talking awesome. about that if he was named the backup or whoever, he would still be there right on the sideline helping out DeAndre or, you know, may of course DeAndre, but uh, he'd be in their ear helping as much as he could, just like he was treated whenever uh, he was under the snaps as a true freshman. Uh, he He was talking about how just all the things that he went through and he'd be there to help DeAndre. And, and, you know, it seems like it's a new vibe there. And I think it plays a bigger role than anything. I mean, I, I think it's, I think that's where younger guys start to build confidence a little bit better when the older guys are kind of getting in their ears and giving them uh, tidbits and tips on certain things more than how it was last year, where it seemed like a very quiet team, definitely with some seniors last year and some starters uh, another big highlight of the week uh, a couple days ago was the report of the football facility being announced, first reported by James Coleman on Gridiron Now. Uh, the football facility being announced on September 2nd. That's the Sunday before Florida State versus Virginia Tech. Uh, it's a $60 million football facility and. Uh, Florida State's it's expecting to be at least 100 million in all because they're going to upgrade some other sports uh, buildings and stuff. But what where, where do you, what do you guys think about that? You know, it's all about the arms race now and college athletics, definitely for football. But is it is it trying to keep up with Clemson now in the ACC? Is that is that the motive for a lot of this? Well, it seems like you either get ahead or you get behind. Um especially for Florida State because they want to remain a top 10, top 5, whatever program. And in order to do so, you can't fall behind the other top 5, top 10 programs. So while 90 95% of FBS teams do not have a football-only facility separate from the indoor practice, like in, in addition to the indoor practice facility, teams like Alabama and Clemson and Oregon and Texas A&M do, so you have to stay uh, up-to-date with those teams. And if you don't do it now – and you'll just fall behind more and more teams. So it's great that Florida State's doing this. I also want to say that Florida State at least somewhat based this facility off uh, Clemson's facility. It's about the same price mark that they're going to spend, and it's about um, they they did, I believe, Florida State either set representatives to Clemson or uh, at least somewhat based their plans on the plans from Clemson. And uh, I, I did some research, and Clemson's football-only facility – for those people wondering what uh, what what more do they need than an indoor practice facility, Clemson's uh, facility has a cafeteria, putt putt golf, eighteen holes, uh, basket a full basket full court basketball, indoor um, golf simulator, huh. a game room, a barber shop, a nap room with beds, a giant slide that goes from like the third floor down to the lobby, a weight room, a nutrition bar. Um, they also have locker rooms, meeting rooms, and the coaches' offices in that building. <laughs> so that's what a football-only facility is. It's not too bad. I'd go there. If that's like an amusement park for me there. Exactly. It's literally – can you imagine what that does to recruiting? I think when it does – of course it's big for recruiting too, but I think it's also a great way to have – build a family too for the team. Yes. I think it keeps them close-knit. People want to hang out – or the players want to hang out there a lot more often. I think that's a smart thing that Dabo Sweeney's done, and it's been proven that he's done it successfully there. That's I think of Alabama as strict and all that, Nick Saban's hard on blah, blah, blah. But I think of Clemson and Dabo Sweeney being uh, driven on – making sure the family's close-knit with events they're always doing, going to the lake, all that kind of stuff. And I think Taggart pushes hard on that, too. Obviously, we've seen uh, the last couple months. All right, since we 
pretty much covered everything right here on the list and the notes. Let's go ahead and jump into the biggest segment on the pod, the season projections. Uh, it's it's going to be one of the craziest seasons. It's the first season under the Taggart era. Florida State is only 11 days away from kicking off against Virginia Tech in Doe Campbell Stadium on Labor Day night. Big weekend in Tallahassee, but it's time to hear some season projections. It's crazy that it's already came. It's pretty quick this offseason. In my opinion, it's flown by. But uh, let's go and give it to the rookie first, Ryan. What do you think? Let him do it. Oh, yeah. D. Lou. Let's hear it. What is it? What do we got? Well, if you guys are just going to throw me on the spot, uh, I'm going to say Florida State's record in, in 2018 ends up being nine wins to, to three losses. And, you know, the only loss that I really – I don't want to say guarantee, but the loss that I think will happen more than any other loss is Clemson. I think Florida State's going to lose to Clemson despite the fact that they're coming to Tallahassee. I think it'll be close because, you know, even in the recent years when FSU has struggled against the Tigers, they've typically kept the game pretty close and then they've lost it, you know, in the second half and as things have went on. But then, you know, for the other two games, they have to play at Louisville and then at Miami in back-to-back weeks. I think they're going to drop one of those. And then they have to play at NC State at Notre Dame, and then uh, at home against Boston College towards the end of the regular season. And I think they're going to drop a game during that three-game stretch as well. Do you think Notre Dame is one of the hardest games during the season? I know we're going to get through the 1 through 10, but you think that's going to be a big struggle for the Knolls going there? I think Notre Dame is FSU's second toughest opponent on their schedule in 2018. Okay. All right, Big Ryan. Let's see what you got, baby. I, we should have. We need to play a soundbite of what you projected last year, so then you can look. Whoa, early. whoa, whoa! Hey, <laughs> last year's last year's unfair. I, I think ESPN, Athlon Sports, everybody projected eleven and one, at worst ten and two, and they went seven and six. So I think Vegas had them at like ten point five. So okay. All right, but uh, this year excuses, I'm, excuses. I'm, right, I'm coming back down to earth though, Logan. Wait for okay, it. I'm coming I'm back. Looking, I know. I'm going. I'm going eight and four this year. Mm. I've been humbled last year. Um, okay. I like the Taggart era. I like the the start. Um, I think I do think they'll be really good. I just think the schedule's either the hardest or second hardest schedule in the country. Um, like like Dustin mentioned, there's there's a lot of team potential losses. We're gonna get into them next segment, but there's about eight teams you could potentially lose to, especially uh, since last season we we really witnessed that with getting blown out by Boston College and basically beating Syracuse because of a missed field goal. Like, we could have lost any team. Um, so, and I think that the offense will will struggle at times just because it's a new system. Um, and But you could potentially drop a game due to that. Um, so, 8-4 and four is, is my projection. And it's a – and I, I just – I think they'll win some big games. I also think they'll lose some um, some games. So, that's okay. my that's, – but me- I think we should get into the – ranking the teams one through ten because yeah. i think until you you do that you won't realize how hard of a schedule it is yep so what's going to happen now i'm going to have dustin and ryan answer which is going to be the hardest to easiest so we're going to start from one and go all the way to ten throughout the whole schedule uh and the reason we're doing one to start. ten is because the, the last two are samford and niu so we're not going to split hairs on the cupcakes nah for those asking why why does he keep saying <laughs> one to ten and not one to twelve yeah but let's get started all right dustin go ahead and give me your first one i've got to say clemson i agree clemson is the hardest game on the schedule they're the number two ranked team in the country i know it's in tallahassee i know they've played them hard before but clemson returned four first round defensive linemen and that alone makes it the hardest game in the schedule second dustin I'm going with with Notre Dame. I'm interested to see who you're going to pick here, Ryan. It's it's either at Notre Dame or at Miami. Pick one. I, you have to pick I'm, it. You got to pick the it. Only, oh no no no! I know I have to pick it. I'm fully prepared. <laughs> know, I'm going to agree with Dustin. I think it's at Notre Dame. I think Florida State is used to playing at Miami. Florida State's excelled at Miami. Miami hasn't beat Florida State at home in a lot of years. I think like ten. So. Um, did I say that right? Miami hasn't beat Florida State at home in 10 years. So I think the team will be confident going down there. I think the team's never been to South Bend, so that will be 
I guarantee not a single player on FSU's roster, maybe two or three, have been to, ever been to South Bend. Uh, so I just think, and I think Notre Dame is a slightly better team, even though Miami blew them out last year. But that's that's my contention. Yeah, Notre Dame returns uh, the most production on the defensive side of the ball out of any team in, in college football. Plus, they have a solid offensive line, uh, a returning quarterback. Really, the only question marks on that roster is who's going to replace some of the playmakers that they lost at running back and wide receiver. But they brought in four four-star receivers during the 2018 recruiting cycle. And then they've got a couple running backs who were banged up last year. They're back and you know, they're excited to see what they can do on the field. Yep. Notre Dame really gave Georgia a run for their money in South Bend at night last year. So even even one of the best teams in the country like Georgia only beat them by one point, I believe. Let's move to number three. What you got, Dustin? I think Ryan and I are going to agree here. It's, it's Miami. Miami. Yeah, it's got to be the the only other top ten team on the schedule. Um, I think that's kind of obvious. I think the gap between three and four is pretty big. Number four then, Dustin. I'm going with at North Carolina State at number four because it's just a place that the Seminoles have struggled, you know, every other year when they have to go there. When you go to NC State, you're you're likely to see Florida State either losing in an upset or just barely squeaking by with a victory. Wow, I like that pick, Dustin. That was that was phenomenal. Wow, y'all are agreeing on everything. That was think he just bypassed number twenty Virginia Tech to go to unranked NC State, and I couldn't agree with him more. I, I agree. Wow. I think number wow. four is at. I, I, I think number four is at NC State. Like like he said, FSU always struggles with NC State, and NC State has maybe the best offense in the ACC this year. They definitely have the best quarterback, in my opinion, in Ryan Finley. You're gonna have to go. I was at the last game in Raleigh. I'll probably be there this year too. NC State is a tough place to play. It's really loud, and FSU is, has some sort of curse there. We'll see if the Tiger Air can break that, but I think NC State's the fourth hardest game in the schedule wow, at so, NC State. So both Dustin and Ryan, mark it now, they're putting Virginia Tech as, wow, what I'm thinking now would be number five in y'all's hardest game. Don't jump to conclusion. State. Oh. No, I don't know this man, about this that. This man, D. Lou, is wild. Uh, okay, okay, let's jump to number five then. <laughs> All right. At number five, I'm going with Boston College. What? Yep, I'm going with Boston College at what? number five. Okay, go wow. ahead. Wow, hold up. What? Okay, go what? ahead. Let, let him, go let's ahead, let, him ahead, talk. let him talk. Let this man preach. Yep. <laughs> you know, FSU went into to Boston last year, and they got absolutely smacked by BC, 35-3. to 3. So BC yeah. is going to – they're coming to Tallahassee now, obviously – but I think that they're confident that they can come and pull off another upset against Florida State, especially in the fashion that they did it a year ago. And they're bringing back rising sophomore A.J. Dillon, who almost ran for 1,600 yards last year. And I think he's just going to take another step forward. B.C., they normally have a good rushing attack, and they don't normally have a very good quarterback. But they're returning Anthony Brown. So they've got a returning starting quarterback, a returning running back who's a stud. All-American. So I can see that game being pretty tough for FSU and Tallahassee. But I am interested to see how Florida State's players play in that game based on how they played last year. Are they going to come out with a revenge mindset and just beat the crap out of them? I mean, we'll see. Ding, 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 ding. I, I'm going to go with Virginia Tech because I'm uh, I'm sane. But yeah. I like the pick. I, I see where you're coming from, but I just think Virginia Tech's a, a better roster. I think roster. it's the whole reverse around. I think and better whole, coach. I think it's the whole other way around. I think it's Florida State is mentally mean coming out, and revenge is definitely on the mind. And I think they'll be angry and a lot of past thoughts, and they'll hear about it all week about BC uh, derailing Florida State last year. Yeah, it definitely year. goes both ways. It's going to be – it'll be so, – my fifth gamer is Virginia Tech. I think Bud Foster and Justin Fuente are pretty two, pretty two uh, good coaches. Um, those guys, as well as, um, I mean, obviously Josh Jackson had a really good season last year for a, a freshman quarterback. So I think that, coupled with FSU being their first game under a new coach with new plays, new assignments, new roles, a lot of new starters, Tamori and Terry, DJ Matthews, both new starters, Francois hasn't played on a field in over a year, or I guess about a year. 
And then, I mean, the, there's just new starters everywhere. The defense has like six new starters at least. So I'm just saying that's that makes it a pretty tough game in addition to Virginia Tech being a top 20 team. But I do think this will be a great stadium, uh, which will be rocking for Taggart's first game. So I think that will help. I can't wait to hear who Dustin has number six, Logan, after putting Boston College number five. We might have to get NIU and Sanford back on the list. Yeah, I think Sanford needs to creep back up for uh, Dustin because that, that, that's a little wild. I just think it's the whole other way around for Florida State. I don't think so it'll, go ahead. I don't no, think it'll be close six? for that Thanks, game. Dustin. Nothing crazy this time around. The Hokies are finally on the board at the wow. sixth toughest game. I think, you know, I'm not really worried – about Virginia Tech's offense. I think they're going to be solid on that side of the ball. But I'm interested to see how they're going to perform on defense. under. Their, I mean, they're normally good under Bud Foster, and you should expect them to, to be good. But with the amount of losses that they had in the defensive backfield, how are they going to play in that opening game? It's their first yeah. time on the field against a different opponent. How's Bud that Foster. secondary going to do in that kind of environment against an elite team like Florida State that's going to be pushing the pace Every time they have the ball, he expects a lot out of Bud Foster. Expects a lot out of his DBs too, because he pretty much tries to shut down the run at all costs, and then uh, leave the rest up to the DBs to do, to have a lot of responsibility and coverage. Well, he might be expecting more than they're going to give him on Labor Day. Okay, so the sixth toughest game. This one is really hard for me. Um, I think that. Florida is probably the pick. Um, the reason I say probably is because FSU has just really dominated Florida. I do think they'll be better under Mullen, but I still don't think Felipe Franks really has that big of a chance of beating FSU, especially in Doak. So I'm going to say that's the sixth hardest game. If if Wake or... Um, I don't know. Maybe if Wake was on the road, I'd replace it. But I think because it's at home, I like FSU, and I'll put Wake seventh. But yeah. uh, I'll take Wake or I'll take Florida for the sixth toughest game. What you got, Dustin? I'm stuck here with a decision. You're on to seven, big guy. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I think Louisville is a tougher game than Florida. Really. Hmm. I know they're losing Lamar Jackson, but just that type of that type of offense is exactly what FSU has struggled against in the past. You know, the spread, pushing it. Obviously, they're getting to see that look in practice now, but I'm still interested to see how they're going to play against, you know, different competition that runs that type of offense. And especially on the road in what will likely be a night game. Do we call it Papa John Stadium anymore? Do, do we call it? I don't, I don't know if they've no, like, uh, responded to it. We definitely don't. <laughs> They we'll don't. Okay. Nobody does. Papa John doesn't game, even call it that. A probable night game in Louisville. We'll just say that. <laughs> in Louisville. The last time FSU played a night game in Louisville, it was it was 2014. Oh, was you know, they were down. Game. Yeah, they were down 21-0. They came back and won. Jeff and I'm just Winston wondering. Sniped Ermin Lane. How about the, the how about the last time FSU played at, at in Louisville that that wasn't a Jameis Winston? Yeah, quarterbacks yeah. team. Do we try even not, want to bring that up? I try not to remember that. You can that pass one. that, right? Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. We've seen this team go to Louisville, you know, two times in the last four years and, and struggle. 2014, they were down a bunch. They came back and won. And then 2016, they got wiped off the map. So how I are they going to play this year? I'm also going to pick Louisville. I overlooked them, and especially because it's at Louisville. Uh, they won't have Lamar Jackson, but I think they'll still be a harder game um, than Wake, who I previously said, for seven. So I'll say at Louisville is seventh, and then I'll go right into eighth because I just said it. I'd say Wake at home would be eighth because FSU struggled with them so much last year. Um, I think Wake's coach is really is a really good coach, and he will get uh, poached probably this year to a, a much better job. Um, he was even mentioned on the list, on one of the lists for the FSU job, and he's done a really good job at Wake winning a lot of games, back-to-back bowl wins and stuff like that at a really small program that hasn't done much. And, yeah, finally, you know, Florida's going to make their appearance on my list at at number eight because I'm just not very confident in who they'll be fielding at quarterback. 
I think that they still have some issues along the offensive line. Their defense is going to be good, but their best player on defense just uh, sprained his ankle, or he had an ankle injury, and he's he's supposed to miss the first six weeks or so of the season. So, you know, you have to wonder how the Gators are going to perform on defense without him, and then if they'll improve when he gets back. But I just really I don't see them being a threat to, to FSU this year. I think it's going to be a blowout in Tallahassee. Who do you have at 9 and 10 while we're on the subject? Because I'm, I'm interested to see how you rank these last ACC games. I think Wake Forest is, is a good ACC team, but Florida State just has too much talent on its schedule for them to be higher up than 9 on this list. So I've, I've got them at 9. And then finally, I've got that at Syracuse game at number 10, though. You know, it's the first road game of the, the Willie Taggart era at Florida State, and I'm interested to see how they respond to that, their first challenge on the road. I got Syrac- at Syracuse at number nine. Um, I just think anytime you play at at uh, a place like the Carrier Dome, which is just a weird place to play, it's the only indoor college football stadium that I know of, um, as well as Clemson lost there last year. So I think that would be nine. Um, and then ten, finally, I'll have home against Boston College. And I think Boston College, like, I definitely think that's a losable game too, which is the funny thing. I'm not saying like it's some easy game. But, You're sleeping uh, on them. No, no. The the thing is, uh, I think their win over under is like five and a half games. So Vegas is also sleeping on them then. But uh, I think FSU just at home after what happened last year is pretty much um, makes it a lot more of an expected win than at Syracuse. Yeah, don't sleep on Dino Babers now. Syracuse, I know that man. that boy Dino. He took down Clemson last year. I was yeah, I remember. I was there the week after. I was in Syracuse either the week before or the week after they took down. I saw them play um, Pitt. Mm. And so that it's a pretty cool place, the stadium. I'd like to go. So that, that wraps up the big segment of the top ten, you know, ranking them from hardest to easiest. Y'all let us know so, in the Logan, comments, too. Y'all got to let us know. Don't you think that my eight and four is justifiable when they have legitimately ten losable games? I think so. I mean, I don't right? think like it, that's going six and four in all those games that I just mentioned. Which, the, I, I mean, if you could lose the the first, I don't know. It's just a hard schedule. Yeah, that's it's a, it's a very hard schedule. Like you said, uh, either one or two. I'd put it at one just because it's a new coach coming in and it's you know all that kind of fun stuff. But I I still think that I'm in between. I'm at a nine three and an eight four. But it it's so. It's so hard to predict these things. We can say all we want and stuff, but after after the first game, I mean, you can't really. It's hard to predict these kind. Of, it's a lot different when we were talking about you know Jimbo Fisher because we know his st- style on the field, and we've had stuff that we could go back and look at. But this is something new to us. At least you know we've looked at Taggart stuff at Oregon, um, and at, U- at USF. Um, Florida State's played USF while well, Willie Taggart's been there, of course. But it's a whole different vibe. He's got talent out of the Kazuki here, and I just made that word up. Um, nice. And and I, I think he'll be able to. I think that the coaching staff is going to utilize it a lot more than the staff did. It was very stale last year how the staff used Derwin James, um, a lot of their pass rush on defense, and I think. Talent-wise on offense, too many weapons to be able to stop these little teams in a- ACC. Is, I think it's going to go back to how it was when Florida State smoked them. You know, we would get ready for a Wake Forest game or even a Boston College game. I mean, even though we knew Boston College was tough, but Florida State would usually beat them. And I, I think it's going to be... Fairly easy games for Florida State this year. The talent will be shown how much more talent they have than these other ACC teams because the young freshman talent, younger guys are going to be utilized in a lot more ways like they should be, should have been. Well, I think that will do it for this week's podcast. I think we hit on a lot of good areas tonight, definitely with the scrimmage and also a couple things that we missed on the last two weeks since we've recorded uh, it will be a busy week next week. We will most likely plan to get the next episode episode out on Saturday, uh, two days before Labor Day night when the Virginia Tech Hokies come into town, ranked number 20 against Florida State, number 19. 
It's going to be an entertaining weekend. Uh, we'll usually have these out regularly, though, on Thursday mornings, Thursday afternoon, once it gets back the normal slate of weeks for uh, your previews and stuff like that. But as always, we really want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Hear the Spear. And you can also listen and subscribe and follow to the podcast and listen to it on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and wherever your preferred platform is. Uh, if you're on iTunes, uh, if you feel like it, feel free to rate us five stars on there and give us a review. It really helps a ton. But uh, we definitely will look forward to giving you guys some more info next week and get ready for the 2018 season to begin. Thanks, guys, for listening, and see you next week.